The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Chris Sheeran Show. This is not Chris Sheeran. This is Doug Williams, but Chris Sheeran is on the line. He is in Utah covering the Brooklyn Nets against the Utah Jazz. Chris, what's happening? Hey, buddy. Uh, it's great to be here in great Salt Lake City, uh, having a great time and uh, getting ready for the uh, Nets and Jazz and just found out about a Nets trade, actually, so that actually leads the podcast. We won't get too much into it, but Reggie Evans and Jason Terry are going to, to the Sacramento Kings for Marcus Thornton. Uh, Thornton, 26 years old, turns 27 in June, and more good news for the Nets. They have a roster spot open, and they could use their disabled player exception that they got from Brooke Lopez to possibly go after Jordan Hill or another big man. Uh, Jordan Hill, of course, with the Lakers right now, uh, down on the bench, buried in Mike D'Antoni's rotation, so maybe just possibly. The Lakers do want like a second-round pick to come back their way as well. Uh, it's not looking good, the latest I heard on that front. That's what the Nets' thinking was, though, but the trade uh, for Evans and Terry from Marcus Thornton, uh, that is definitely uh, has gone down, and uh, Marcus Thornton will join the Brooklyn Nets. So off this uh, very busy road trip, 12 days, six games, including two sets of back-to-backs, and Doug, before we get into United States hockey, Olympic hockey, which is what I wanted to lead with, but this trade came up, and I figured I'd just throw it out there. Yep. Um, the net schedule has just been brutal this year. You know, every time they seem to go on a little bit of a run, a back-to-back comes and smacks them in the face. They're an older team. Uh, you know, the back-to-backs kill. I don't like making excuses for a team, Doug, but in this situation – uh, with the age on this team and with Kevin Garnett needing to get breaks, we saw it in the Detroit Pistons game where that was a back-to-back a couple of weeks ago. Kevin Garnett needed a, a rest, and, you know, you played bigs like Andre Drummond and, uh, and Greg Monroe, and the Nets just can't match up with those guys. I mean, you have Paul Pierce at the power forward, and Andre Blatch starting at center is just not going to go well for the Brooklyn Nets if that's the case. And that's what worries me about the playoffs with the Nets, too, if they draw the Indiana Pacers in any round. Because, I mean, they'd be lucky to get uh, to the second round to face the Pacers or the third round, you know, the championship series in the Eastern Conference. But, you know, this schedule has just not been conducive, uh, especially with all the injuries Brooklyn has had to deal with as well. Yeah, I know that, um, you know, Reggie Evans wasn't huge in terms of, you know, what Jason Kidd thought of him, really. He's, he was much bigger piece of the team last year than he has been this year. But it does make sense that they'd go after Hill now because not only is Hill a center, you know, he would kind of fill the role of what Reggie Evans should have been doing on the Nets because, like you said, they are going to have a tough time matching up against big teams when, you know, you could make the argument that between Garnett and Blatch, they really don't have a natural center now that Brooke Lopez is down with the injury. Yeah, and the M.O. at the shoot-around this morning, uh, before they actually took the floor, it was Jason Kidd, it was Kevin Garnett, it was Andre Karolenko. They all said the same thing. Uh, their mantra in the second half of the season, they need to be a team uh, a team that rebounds together. Everybody has to chip in. And when you trade away the one guy that basically what he did at an elite level <laughs> was rebound the basketball and Reggie Evans, uh, you have to bring in someone in that empty roster spot that's going to provide the rebounding that Jason Kidd needs, uh, this team needs in the second half. Because, you know, you would pretty much guarantee that this team is going to make the playoffs come hell or high water 
I mean, they just have too much talent for them not to make the playoffs. But they have to get into a seed. They have to get into a situation, whether it's they catch the, the Raptors, who are in the three seed, winning the Atlantic Division right now, or whether they get into the five seed. A lot of interesting questions were brought up at our, uh, our pregame dinner last night. And, and one of those was, okay, well, who would you rather play in the first round? Would you rather play the Pacers in the first round, or would you rather play the Bulls? You know, that's a tricky question because the Nets really don't match up well against either one of those teams, and we saw what the Bulls did to the Nets last year without Derrick Rose, and the Bulls just beat the Nets before the break. So a lot of interesting questions with this team down the stretch. It's going to be an exciting second half of the season to see where this team ends up and how deep they can make it into the playoffs because, you know, once the playoffs start, Doug, you look at a team like the Miami Heat, okay? They've lost some games here and there this year. But when the playoffs click in, this team plays. I mean, they, they know when to turn it on. And I know that sounds bad. I know you should be playing hard all year round. But they know the tools and the talent are there. And, you know, not to throw a Ghostbusters line out there from 1984, but they got the tools, they got the talent. It's always Miller time when it comes to the playoffs. And <laughs> Reggie Miller not pictured. You, you get what I'm saying. But it's just going to be very interesting for all of us to watch this next team down the stretch and uh, see just how far they can make it in the playoffs. Now, what, what set me off earlier this week and, you know, why I couldn't I, – I just couldn't wait to get on my soapbox, Doug. And I know you're right there with me with, with the U.S. hockey. Uh, but just I want to preface this by saying 1980, and I know I've talked about it before on the podcast, but 1980, I was six years old. I was going to be seven. That made me a hockey fan. I didn't know about hockey until I saw that 1980 team win the gold medal. And when they beat the Russians that year, it, it wasn't only on the ice. That reverberated, you know, the, through the Cold War as well. It was just a huge win on so many levels. It was us against them. It was like a Rocky Four situation. I mean, kids today, they, they don't understand the magnitude of what that win meant, not only for those kids who never played with each other, played against each other, and Herb Brooks was, God, he was just masterful putting those kids together and getting them to play the game. He wanted them to play more of a European-style open flow, more of a style like the Russians to match their style of play. And, you know, the legs feed the wolves and made them do all that work to, to get their wins. So they were, in the third period, they were even better condition than the Soviet team that year, and they, they go on to win the gold medal. So what got my ire up, what got my, I guess, Irish up, I should say, and my Italian, got the green and red blood flowing together. That's never a good thing. I was listening to Sports Talk Radio, and he's a prominent guy for ESPN, and he basically said, I'm not getting up to watch Olympic hockey. I'd rather watch Tiger Woods in a golf setting rather than watch Olympic hockey. I don't know about you, Doug, <laughs> but that got me so mad on so many levels. What say you? Well, I just think it's silly because hockey is an easy game to understand. So you, even if you're not a huge hockey fan, you can sit down and watch the United States play another country and root for them. It's really not that difficult. So just to say you're not going to watch it and make the conscious decision not to watch it is just being stubborn. It's exciting. I don't really care well, how big of... 
I, I can't take you seriously as a sports um, commentator, as a sports personality, if you just poo-poo the best hockey on the planet. Now, listen, do I love golf? My friends know. I do not love golf. But when there's a major or there's a big tournament, I'm glued to the TV. Yeah. The Ryder Cup, I mean, that's drama. Yeah. That's theater. That's tremendous. Bubba, Bubba Watson uh, it might not have been the last Ryder Cup or the Ryder Cup before, but when he was getting the crowd into it, Happy Gilmore style, before he teed off, I mean, just to get behind your country and show some national pride, that's the thing that tweaks me the most because I don't think we have that as much anymore. Like, if you go on Twitter, it's there. But for someone as prominent as, as him to say what he said, I, I don't. I, that gets me so mad on so many different levels. First of all, it's your country. Second of all, it's the best hockey in the world. It's like watching the World Cup. It's like watching the best soccer players in the world. I hate soccer, but I am glued to the World Cup. Right. And, and you know, Chris, the, the one thing I was going to say is that how much of sports broadcasting and how much of what we do is about stirring the pot and, and saying something that kind of is controversial and that you know fans will have a dramatic and, and emotional well, I, I response get that, to. I get that, but he said this in passing. Like, he said it, and then he moved on to the next subject. He didn't even give callers a chance to call in and talk about it. It was just some kind of lame uh, statement about, uh, oh, I'm just going to poo-poo hockey. I don't like hockey. You, so have, to make, you have to make the conscious effort to not watch. That, that's really what it is. I mean, you, you can't go into a bar without it being on. You can't, a lot of restaurants are going to put the USA hockey game on because it's important. It's a country. I mean, if you're not a fan of an NHL team, that's one thing. But if you live in this country, it's important to watch the Olympics. I think it's an important thing as a member of the country to root and, and cheer along for your team. So it is like those people, Chris, and you and I are not one of them, that are like, I hate soccer. No. I hate soccer. I'm not going to watch the World Cup. You are going to watch the World Cup because it's exciting and your country is competing. And it's part of my job, too. Exactly. It's, it's part of our job. If you have a sports talk show on a major network's radio network, you have to pay attention to this stuff. You have to know about the United States hockey team. It just it drives me crazy. It, it absolutely gets... Uh, <laughs> like I said, I, I'm being completely calm here. I was not this calm on Monday. If we taped this on Monday, it would have been different for me, but I was able to, like level out a little bit more yeah it's like um, when you when you're really angry and you write a note to somebody and you just put it in a drawer and then you feel better <laughs> yeah. because like you, you get, get you out. get your anger Absolutely. out yeah um that, that that's enough about the hockey as we tape this now uh united states has has moved on they're going to play canada in the semifinal round which i mean it, it, listen if you didn't watch the game four years ago when we lost to canada on a golden goal by cross i mean even though we lost, and I was crushed. I mean, edge of my seat, heart racing, he scored that goal. And, I, I mean, it was like someone could blow up a balloon as, as far as you can blow it up and then just letting it go. Mm -hmm. That was me. I mean, it was just awful. If you're not into this game tomorrow, you know, check your pulse. I don't know what, I don't know what to say. I mean, you're flatlining. You are. It's just... It's great drama. It's great theater. It, it's, 
you know, basically the two top countries in hockey, in my estimation, the United States and Canada right now, they're just playing at such an unbelievable level. You can't leave Sweden and Finland out, of course. Um, and, you know, of course the Russians losing to Finland. Who, who would have thunk that? Yep. But, uh, you know, Henrik Lundqvist and the Rangers. You got uh, Carl Hagelin on the, on the Swedish team as well. And it's it just, gosh, it, it, it's just so cool. And it's just, I think it's so good for hockey. And you know what's a shame, Doug? Even though this tournament has been so great, hockey is still not going to get the ratings of the NBA. It's still not going to get the ratings anywhere near the ratings in the NFL. It's not going to get anywhere near the ratings of Major League Baseball. I, I, I hope... And, and pray that that changes in the future. Because not only for the game itself, but if you want to talk about professional athletes who know the term professional, it's hockey players. They give you everything you need and more. And they do it with a smile on their face. Yeah, Not, not on- just certain players, every player. Not only that, they, they're not pretty boys. You know, they're not out there to be stars. They realize that, you know, the way hockey is today, they could walk into the majority of restaurants or bars or hotels or anything and go unrecognized, and they understand that. There's not a whole lot of ego in the NHL, and it's not because that they're not huge stars. It's because of the fact that they are just grinders. They go out and they will play as hard as they can for you if you're sitting in an arena watching an NHL game or watching a U.S. hockey game. They are going to play their hearts out there's never a question of effort there's never it's an 82 game season just like the nba and you will never hear of a player getting rested in the middle of a season like we do in the nba oh he's getting a rest he's 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 resting multiple injuries well there's a guy missing eight teeth that's playing tonight for you know russia or playing for the pittsburgh penguins it's just the way hockey is it's tough guys it's guys that aren't in it for the stardom they're in it for the competition, and that's really what sports is all about. I really, I agree with you. I wish hockey was a bigger, uh, bigger sport in the major four sports. The example I always try to use is, is John Leclaire uh, of the Philadelphia Flyers. I, I wanted him on the Rangers in the worst way. Uh, I make, you know, I don't try to hide my fandom in any sport. Uh, grew up in the New York area, huge New York Ranger fan. Um, and Leclerc, and I know th- this is a lot of guys. I know a fly. I forget the Flyers' name this year. I did the highlights of it on the Sports Sprint. Um, he took a skate to the yeah yeah uh, abdomen area, got stitched up, and went back and scored the game-winning goal. John Leclerc took forty stitches under his eye, getting hit with a puck. I think he missed a shift. One shift to get stitched up, and he got back out on the ice. It's just trying to hammer your point home about the tough guy thing and and how much, you know, when they're on that ice, I mean, even when they're off it, you know, there's no, like, patting each other on the butt before the game. There's no, you know, talking to each other when they're doing a little skate around. There are a lot of teams that don't like each other. See, this is why I try to romanticize on hockey so much, because it's like the other sports used to be. there's that venom before the game. There's that venom during the game. And there's even some venom after the game. Now, look, these guys shake hands at the end of every playoff series, which I think is one of the most classy things done in any sport. Um, But there was that Claude Lemieux avalanche Red Wings series where, you know, the Red Wings were going in line saying, I can't believe I shook that guy's hand, but they still did it. 
I mean, there was still that venom. You know, that handshake was probably the most anticipated and watched handshake in all of playoff hockey <laughs> because you thought maybe the gloves would be dropped. But hockey players have that respect for the sport and respect for the game that they didn't do that. They still went through that line, and they still shook that guy's hand after what he did. Uh, and, and that, to me, volumes about the sport. It continues to. I just respect the hell out of every one of those players and what they do and what they bring on the ice. And that's why it got me so upset. Just one blanket statement by someone on you know, the network that's supposed to be the mothership for all sports networks. And I just I needed to. Now, all right, Doug, something we uh, didn't get to talk about last week because after we uh, taped it is the podcast, It Happened. And that's Derek Jeter walking away from the game of baseball after this season. And, you know, at first, I was extremely happy for him uh, because uh, I think he sees the end is near and, you know, he doesn't want to have, and I'm not saying he's going to have a bad season, but this way, A, reporters aren't asking him about it all season long. Now they know. It's not a distraction to his team, B. And C, he goes out on his own terms. And I think that's something, Doug, that this guy has just mastered his whole career. Um, I used to t- I used to say on the podcast to Joe all the time because you know all the vitriol for him, he he would bounce into a double play. Oh, there's Captain Double Play, blah 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 blah. People making fun of him, and I always said I always stood up for the guy, and I always said when this guy goes away, you're gonna. You're gonna miss him a lot, and now the all these people on Twitter who like to joke around and say Captain Double Play and spew all their venom about Derek Jeter, you know, when he walks away, they're gonna be the first people there that are gonna say, "Oh God, Derek Jeter back there," because to get the kind of play, not only offensively, Doug, but defensively, at that position, until four years of age, look, we don't know what he's gonna do this year, but. Several spring trainings. Yes, and every spring training, the beat reporters it's the same thing. Well, Derek Jeter's lost range. Has he? Of course he has, but it hasn't been as much as they predicted. Every spring training, Derek Jeter, for a three-year-old man, has some pretty damn good range still at shortstop and still make some great plays over there. And defensively, you think CeCe Sabathia wants to see number two out there? And nothing against Eduardo Nunez or anybody else or Brendan Ryan, but who would CeCe rather see out there? Who would any starting Yankees pitcher rather see out there at shortstop? Tell me. Yeah, I mean. Number two. Number two, Derek <laughs> I, I I'm just going to say this, Doug. I know my cell phone is, is really crappy, and I'm out here in Utah. And my room service for lunch is coming in a little bit. Nice. Um, so I'm just going to wrap this up. I'll let you speak your mind on Derek, but I just want to say, you know, Derek and I started our careers at the same time. Myself in television and Derek with the Yankees. He came up in 95 and my first TV job in 95. I've been with this guy in this profession ever since he came up. And he has acted like nothing less than a professional his entire career. I, myself, and I know people, we don't care what I think, 
But when he steps away, my uncles talk to me about DiMaggio. My father talked to me about Mantle. Jeter is the guy I'm going to talk about to my grandkids. And that's what makes this guy so special to me. The way he handled himself on the field and off the field. The way he hustles out every ground ball during every game. No questions asked. Doesn't matter if he knows it's an automatic out. He busts it. Every time he runs out to the field, he runs out to the field. My four-year-old daughter, I brought her to a game. She didn't know what was going on. But I made sure, and I'll take her to a game this year too, and I'll make sure to tap her on the shoulder and say, you see number two? This is a guy that Daddy's going to talk to you about for a very long time. And that's something that's very special for me. And I'm telling you right now, in 2020, I will have reservations in Cooperstown to see that man inducted into the Hall of Fame. I'm not going to get really emotional about it. Probably not until his last game. Then it'll probably hit me. But, yeah, it'll be a field of dreams, big baby moment, and I'll probably lose it because Derek Jeter's don't appear all that often, as we know, Doug. And with that, I'll hand it to you. I'll let you get your thoughts in on Derek, and then we'll say goodbye from there. So go ahead. Give me your thoughts on, on the cap. Well, I would just say I think the nicest part of what he did was so that fans like you and I, because I feel almost the exact same way as you do about Derek, um, you know, instead of my professional career, he's basically, uh, you know, been playing for my entire life of, of being a baseball fan. Um, I've had the opportunity of, of watching Derek play. What I think he did that was so great for a fans like us, Chris, was announce it because, you know, a lot of people have been – uh, saying that he announced it early, which means he, you know, wants all the pageantry when, you know, in reality, we know that's not the case. I think he did it as a as a gesture to fans to say, hey, I, I know that I'm going to be retiring and, and I know that it's going to be this time. You should all, you know, if you want to come see me play again, come this year. And and it's a great service to us to be able to, I mean, we have the opportunity to work at the Yes Network, which is a dream in a lot of ways, but it's never been more of a dream than to be able to cover Derek Jeter's last season. But I will say the ability of his fans and Yankee fans alike to be able to go to the stadium and know that that will be the last time they ever see him play is, an, is a great option to have because we all expected Derek on his last game, like game 162, or after the World Series was over, Derek would say, "Yeah, by the way, that was it. Like, I'm, I'm, that's it for me." But for him to do it this way, it gives us all an opportunity to get our last look at him and know when we're seeing him walk off the field for the last time. Yeah, Doug, and I really think he did that uh, when he did it to me, so it wasn't a distraction his teammates and I think that was hammered home today during his press conference when he was midway through answering the questions and he looked over at the players and said if they need to go to work go to work by all means don't stay here don't feel like you're forced to stay here and I just thought that was the quintessential Derek Jeter and uh you know it's going to be sad to see him go but for him I'm just so happy for him that he's realized this he's made the decision and he gets to go out um, hopefully, you know, for all of us on top with another World Series victory, but most importantly, on his terms. Totally agree. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Chris Sheeran Show. As always, I want to thank Doug Williams for hopping aboard and 
doing what he does. We wouldn't have the Chris Sheeran show if it wasn't for Doug Williams. And also, uh, don't forget to check out the Yes Men podcast with Doug and Lou DiPietro. They're going down the spring training, too. They will be bringing you great coverage for YesNetwork.com. Please make sure you go to YesNetwork.com and check out all that stuff. And we will see you next time on the Chris Sheeran Show. This is Chris Sheeran saying so long from fabulous Salt Lake City, Utah. Take care, everybody.